You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Good morning. Uh, my name is Tim Eric. I'm one of the elders here at uh, FMCC. We're going to have one of our roundtable discussions on this next passage of Philippians. And so I have uh, two men I've gotten to know over the last several months. We have a group that meets on Saturday mornings, uh, developing leadership called uh, 2 Timothy 2, uh, which is a passage from 2 Timothy about uh, what it looks like to, to lead and teach the gospel to others. So before we get into the text, I want to let, introduce Matt Matthias and Chris LaBelle. And I'd like them to just take a little bit of time, introduce yourselves, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, then we'll go... Yeah, you, you got to know. Yeah. You get to know Matt, you'll you get really nervous with the uh, the I think no, I love it. I know it's not, brother. I love it. I love it. Okay, so Matt, why don't you start? You got to follow that, Chris. Oh, yeah. I, I also work at FedEx. Um, I'm the guy who drives the freight to the station. So without me, you guys wouldn't get your freight. So, uh, right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, as a young believer, I, I started, he was actually my youth pastor uh, when I was 13 years old. And I hated the Lord, didn't want anything to do with church. And um, the Lord saved me when I was. 16 and kind of left Friendship Baptist Church for a little bit and then came back and through that ministry, uh, through his mentorship and uh, Jeff Heim, the senior pastor, over time and just the men of that church, um, discipling, discipleship happened and the Lord really began to do work and so the Lord called me to the ministry. Um, I started going, I went to Liberty University, I got my degree there online and yeah, that's right, go Flames. Uh, and then uh, I moved to Memphis in two, uh, 2017, me and my family, um, to pursue uh, my MDiv. So in the process of that, uh, an opportunity came up to move out of Memphis because I didn't want to be there. But I was there for, you know, for the seminary. And 
opportunity came to move here, so I moved here, um, got a job, bid on it, um, and now we're about a mile and a half away from this, from Matt and his family, so, and just pursuing the Lord, that's, that's why we're here, so. Amen. Yep, almost done with my degree, so that's, that's good news, so. so. you got to move to where the Holy Spirit perfected barbecue. Yeah, I know. And I'm not a big fan of barbecue. Yeah. It's good, but it's not my favorite. <laughs> I know, I know, it's, it's sad, but. <laughs> so we started these roundtables, actually, have always had them as part of FMCC, and we've done them to really try to uh, bring into a large corporate gathering intimacy that, that God has called us to in, in community and, and, and kind of what goes on, can go on at a home or Starbucks or uh, Mexican food place or something like that. And that's why we tr try to have them every so often. You know, we, we live to love God, love others, and make disciples. And to make disciples, you got to get to know them, right? And I always tell people, you know your discipling person when you can smell them. If you don't smell the person, you're not discipling the person. And so today it's, it's kind of that thing. It's a very open conversation. Uh, I love talking with these two. They're, it's always... It's always metal sharpening metal. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to carry on in Philippians. Uh, I want to kind of set up where we're at. Uh, we're at the very end of the context of chapter 3. And if you remember chapter 3, it actually started out with Paul saying, there's dogs and evildoers, and watch out for them. And, uh, and he says, you know, anybody that makes you think you should be circumcised, and really what he says to anybody that brings something else or adds something onto Christ, are evildoers and dogs. It's Christ alone or nothing. And then he goes on, he says, you know, if anybody has a room to boast, if anybody should be looked at as perfect, it's me, Paul. Because I am a perfect Pharisee and a perfect Israelite under the system, and you can't get any better than me. And then he goes on to say, so try to live up to me, and you'll never do it. And guess what? I consider all this rubbish. And actually, in the Greek, I consider this all dung. He said, of all this great stuff I've accomplished for the people of God, remember Israel was the people of God, of all these things I've accomplished, I consider them rubbish. For one thing, to know Jesus. To know Jesus alone. To know him in the power of his resurrection. And to be resurrected from the dead. And then he goes on in verse 12, says, I haven't already attained this. I'm not already perfect. But I forget everything that lies behind me, and I press on, I strain on to the upward call of Christ Jesus to be like him. And then he says, you know, if, if you're not here yet, fix your eyes on Christ and imitate, right? And where we come to today is verse 17. We're going to look at verse 17, uh, chapter 3, verse 17 through 4.1, and I'll, I'll read it. Um, this is what God's Word says. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And the example that, that Paul's talking about is Christ alone, right? That's what he's just got done saying in 3, from about 3.11 through 3.17. And then he goes, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. But 
Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Amen. So, we're just going to go kind of verse to verse in this. And what I want to do at the very beginning is, he says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So, Chris, in your life and in your sanctification process, from the time God used those two to lead you to him, uh, what do you... Tell me what you think Paul, what, what is Paul's meaning of imitating him and walking according to the example you have in him and others? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think first and foremost, he's, he's definitely, it's, he's talking about the righteousness of Christ, like, within him. Like, that's the example. It's always going to be the example, right? Um, uh, prefaces all things, is that Christ is that, the, the life in him. But here, he's, he's obviously talking about, too, his, his uh, apostleship. Like, he is an apostle. He has authority. Um, and God has called him to lead these churches, to, to start these churches. And um, so I think, you know, in that example, right, um, he's saying, do what I do. And that's following Christ. And that's living by through, by the Spirit in Christ, and also, you know, according to the pa- uh, following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. He's also talking about other godly leaders too, people, elders he's set up, and and so for me, like, yeah, I, I think that's kind of what he's referring to. Right. Yeah. Christ is not physically here, right? Right. And His Holy Spirit's indwelling in us yep. as that Comforter and that that power for us to imitate that, 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 that Christness. Good. Mm-hmm. Matt. Yeah, one of the things that in our, in our home, because our family, so we read in, in Philippians 3, 17, brothers, join in following my example. And if we look in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, Paul says, be imitators of me just as I am also of Christ. And one of the things in our family is we have this, these two pictures, right? We have common we always talk about we have common versus normal, right? So if you ask my kids, girls, what's normal? They would ultimately get around to saying something effective. Well, Jesus is normal. Everything that doesn't look like Christ is going to be common. So, like, let's not be common. Let's be normal, right? And that, it's really easy to get twisted when we, when we read words like, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. Well, if we don't know what Christ looks like, man, we're going to imitate some really messed up stuff. Amen. Right? Amen. And so I brought hold, my kid. Hold on to that thought. That's good. Oh, I'm going to yeah. probably forget it right now, now that you no. said that. <laughs> I know what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's it. So, so parents, whether you have little kids, old kids, whatever, teach them, right? Common versus normal. Normal is the person of Christ, and let's imitate that. Right? Not to gain his favor or any junk like that, but that's what we want our life to look like. Right? 
And uh, yeah. No, I, I, like, I like that picture because all the way through church history, the church has been pressured to do one or two things, make normalcy look like the secular world, or to mix Christianity with the secular world and call that normalcy instead of just Christ alone being normal and everything else being negatively in contrast to that. And, and the world doesn't like that because then we become exclusively Christ-centered. And that is something that Paul would say will cause you suffering, right? Yeah. Um, I love what you guys said there. I had a good friend I was having coffee with. I was going to see if he was in church this morning, but he's not. And we were, we were talking about something I thought was amazing. It's not a biblical word, but it's a hugely biblical concept. And, and I actually love the word, and I actually uh, used it with, uh, with the Nygards when they were at dinner one night. And I think it's a, just a beautiful concept. It was holy who Christ was. And the word is, are you attachable? Christ was attachable. Right? When he walked on the earth, people wanted to attach to him. Right? And that's what Paul is saying. You know, imitate me. If, you're gonna, if I imitate Christ, we should be attachable. People should want to be around us. That's why we disciple. That's why we try to do community. Uh, and I actually just love that word. Again, it's not a, it's not a biblical word. Uh, number one, I looked. <laughs> the, word, the Greek word for attachable I couldn't find. But it is a biblical concept, right? Uh, love your brother. Love covers a multitude of sins, Right? spend your life with another person. So I love that word attachable. And I really actually heard that concept in, in both years. I really like that. Yeah, like I think too, I wrote in my notes, uh, don't, church up, don't church up Jesus, right? People want to make him like this. I don't know if you're familiar with the language. You know, don't church this up. Don't make him prettier. Don't try to like make him uber sophisticated. And that Jesus, right, was this a vagabond hippie who kind of, right, didn't even have a place to lay his head. When asked for money, didn't even really have money, but just kind of went out with the people. And, uh, man, healing sick, hanging out with the homeless, hanging out with the least of these, right? And that idea of imitating that instead of walking around all polished and shiny and beautiful, which is nothing wrong with that, but, like, actually imitating Christ and his activity and engaging the world, Oh, man, people lose, they miss the mark a lot of times, and they church them up. Amen. Miss opportunity to just be the loving hands and feet of Christ, right? Right. Yeah, and I, just to second that, like, I, I remember my walk. Um, it's like I mentioned the, the, the mentorship, discipleship from older men. You know, it takes a lot of, and I'm not puffing myself up, but I think discipleship is vulnerability. And to imitate somebody, you really have to be vulnerable. You have to say, you know what? I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> essentially, right? You don't follow their example because that's, they're men. You follow them because, hey, that person really, the spirit is really working in that guy or that family or that person, and I want to know what they're, what they're doing, right? I love what you, I love <laughs> what you said there because I think, I think when the gospel is presented the right way, but it's not after God saves a person, it's not carried out correctly, 
your, your question is, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and sometimes the young believers are afraid to ask that question, right? And Paul says that once we're reborn and we're saved again, we have to go through a renewing of the mind. That's big, right? But your whole mind has to change. That kind of leads to my next question. I'm going to start with you on this one, Matt, because you've been walking uh, with the Holy Spirit longer. So we have young believers in here, and we have old believers in here. What I'd like to hear from you is practically what does imitating Paul, who says to imitate, imitate Christ, what does that look like? What did, what did it look like for you when you were first saved? What does it look like? What's the one piece of advice you would give to a new believer on what does it look like to imitate Paul and Christ? Yeah, to find out what they look like, right? So Philippians uh, 2, somewhere, right? We talked about, you guys preached on this a few weeks ago, right? So if we know what Christ looked like, uh, Philippians 2, and, he, and, he, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, uh, God, also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. Uh, but before that, have this attitude in yourselves which was also in Christ. Although he exists in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. So when we know what Christ looks like, when we see the person of Jesus as played out in the scriptures, like having a right understanding of who he is, right, that's monumental, right? Excellent. And something like with the new believers was really, man, we had this one guy, ah, oh man, I'm guessing probably 20 years ago, new convert, came into our Bible study, big, tall, gumpy dude, six foot six, like 300 pounds, just wept, prayed to receive Christ, and it was like, my family's messed up, I don't know what to do, bro. And I'm like, I got a great idea for you. See that guy over there? I want you to move into his basement, and whatever he does, do exactly what he does. Because that guy is pursuing and like is pursuing Christ, right? And awesome, right? This new convert of how do I live? Well, man, find a dude who loves the Lord and is pursuing him and move in with him. And he did. He lived in his basement for like two years and just Grew in Christ, man. And this was Amen. 20 years ago, and he's still serving the Lord now, right? Excellent. Chris, same question. Now, you're just finishing up your, your MDiv. Um, same thing for you. What, is, what does that look like? What did that look like practically in your life? How did, you, how did you recognize somebody you wanted to imitate? How did you discipline yourself to do that? Yeah, it's, um, I think... When you have a church or a group of people that are teaching Jesus correctly, the gospel correctly, I think that does something that changes you because the gospel changes you, right? Um, so when you see that being played out and they're saying it, but then they're also doing it, there was just like, yeah, it made sense to imitate it. Well, how are they raising their family? How are they handling their money? How are they doing this? How are they doing that? How are they serving one another? Um, just those, those doors started, you know, the light bulb. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, but yeah, as, as a newer believer, um, that is essentially what happened. The gospel opened my eyes, and then you start seeing people live it out different than what I, the example I had for my parents or family members, and that's not the dog on them. It's just saying that, like, the gospel is sufficient, and people who live it out, there's, 
something to be said, you know, and, and I, I was look, thinking of, you know, what verse would, you know, couple with that, and First Peter 5 says this, um, you younger men, likewise, be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And the 2 Tim 2 discussion today, I think, made me think about humbleness, and it's boasting in the Lord. So when you see people actively boasting in the gospel, the death, burial, uh, and resurrection of Jesus, and their life is completely changed, and it's different, and it's countercultural, and it's fresh, it's new, it's life, man, that's attractive. You want to run towards that. I don't want any of what this world has to offer. I want that. And you ask questions. Hey, why are you doing this? How are you doing it this way? Why do you do this? You're, you know, what does it mean to be right with God? That type of thing. Like you, you learn your identity in that relationship, in that discipleship. So, good. I like I like what I heard there. I heard two things uh, that we hold to deeply. Here we treasure um, Scripture alone. If, if you want to see who Christ is, there's only one place that you can learn about God and Christ, and that's through God's Word. And, and we believe that the Word is completely, 100% uh, inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's infallible. There's nothing. It never contradicts itself. It's holy, completely God's Word. So we learn about God, and we learn about the Holy Spirit. We learn about our our triune God, God in three persons, by Scripture alone. Then the other thing I heard that I love is that attachability, right? That, that discipling. And um, I know a lot of you have heard this, um, and some of you haven't. I've been discipled by the same man for over 20 years. Um, and I can remember the first day. He said, you're going to smell me, and I'm going to smell you, and if you can't smell me, you need to come back. So the attachability works both ways. I need to be open for somebody to be attached to me to disciple him. But the person that wants to be discipled, he's got to be attachable. And I treasure the covenant with my wife. And in that covenant, I made a, a promise to her in front of God to love her in the good times and the bad times and, in, and all of that. As mature, some of us that are, are mature and want to disciple, guess what? In discipling, it's that same type of commitment. If you're not willing to make it a lifelong commitment, if you're not willing to be totally led by the Holy Spirit, and if you're not willing to stand with that, that couple, if you're discipling a couple, or you're discipling a man, or a woman's discipling another woman, if you're not willing to stand there when it gets tough, because it will get tough, believe me. Uh, think really closely before you do it. Because... It should become a lifelong brotherly relationship, and it'll be a blessing. Hot is a blessing to me. Mark Kimmel, who I've discipled for 20 years, is a blessing to me. Uh, the people I'm discipling here, working with Sean and, and Paulo and, and Miguel, they're just blessings, right? I mean, just and, 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 and that attachability, I just love that concept. Uh, good. We're going to change gears. I'm going to throw you a curveball. So I, I kind of laid out an outline, uh, kind of where we're going to go, but uh, knowing these two, it won't be that they'll be able to hit it. Uh, but it came to me this morning, 
I was on my walk yesterday, and it came to me on my walk as I was running this through my, through my head. Um, I remembered another text, uh, and we'll read it here in a minute. So verses 3, Philippians 3, 18 through 19. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things. Now, I was walking yesterday. Acts chapter 20 hit me, and I want to I read it. So Paul is in Ephesus, and he's talking to the, the elders. And if you want to follow along, we'll be in Acts chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 28. That's what God's Word says. So we're in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves. He's talking to the elders of the church of Ephesus, okay? So, Bill, he's talking to you and I, <laughs> okay? And to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. And I'm going to stop really quick. He's also talking to other men in here that God will call you someday to. So listen up. Which he obtained with his own blood. I just, I love that part of the verse, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he, Jesus, obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, after he leaves, fierce will, wolves will come in. These are wolves outside of Christianity, okay, in this context. Will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Listen to verse 30. And from among your own selves, people within the church, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Verse 31. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease day and night to admonish everyone with tears. And uh, as I prepare for today and, and on the walk, I, I look back and you just... You just know why the Holy Spirit lays it on your hearts. He always lays it on heart, number one, to convict me or convict Matt or convict when we're preparing for that. That's the first thing I think God, the Holy Spirit always does when you're preparing something like this is he brings these things up, number one, to correct yourself and then to be able to express it. And when I read most commentaries preparing for this, uh, the tears were totally skipped over except by one man. And he took us, he went back to Acts. He went to Corinthians. Um, Paul is known as the weeping apostle. And sometimes that's sarcastic, that, that he was weak. I've, I've heard it put that way. Uh, I totally deny that's the meaning. The Holy Spirit would never inspire Paul to write something to, to that effect. Um, and to weep over a church for three years, to me, is amazing. And so the question I want us to think about here is Christ wept, we see, once in, in, in John chapter 11. And he didn't weep because Lazarus was dead. That's very clear. He waited three days for Lazarus to be good and, be good and dead. The conduct says he wept because when he got to Lazarus, it was chaos. And he wept because this is not what me and my father created. 
He was weeping over, here's where creation has gone because of sin. And I think that that's what Paul is weeping over. He's weeping over one part of the church that wolves, wolves from within the church are pulling disciples away. So my question to both of you is, in your opinions, do, you, do we feel that we have that much sorrow in this day and age that brings us to tears over things like that in the church? I knew it was a curveball. Yeah. So... Um, but it's a text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, when you see with uh, social media, as you see bad doctrine and bad theology, all, it's all over the place. Um, and this world has affected the church so much, you see all kinds of gospels being preached and taught, whether it's the social justice, the critical race theory, the moralistic, therapeutic deism, where, you know, God's kind of like a candy machine, prosperity gospel, you know what I mean? That's, you see that all the time, and that makes me sad. Not in a fake way, just in my spirit, I feel sorrow. Like, man, you guys are missing the truth of the gospel. It's not about this world and what you can get. It's about Christ. Amen. And I think that's where Paul is, because he even mentions it in Romans, too. I actually, yes, Romans 12. Yeah. In Romans 9, too, he says, um, where does he say it? Yeah, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Mm-hmm. Is it the Israelites, he, was, he loved them that much that he wished they would understand the gospel and that he could replace it. Like, that's, that's serious. Like, that's serious yeah. language, you know. Yeah, and, and he had that heart for the lost. Yep. He had heart for these people that were walking away from Christ because he knew, yeah. he knew what, it, what it meant. And he had hearts for the people that would try to give bad doctrine to pull them away to the point he bring tears. Right. And it, yeah, it makes me sad, but man, a lot of it, and this may be sinful, I don't know, but it makes me mad. Yeah. Like, when I see, like when I see and hear people preaching, a, I'll call it the non-gospel, when they're adding stuff to Christ, it just heaps burden and condemnation on people. And like, as believers, man, right, two decades of ministry of helping people deprogram these crazy ideas that they have to jump through all these hoops for, for, to gain God's favor. And as a small boy here, like I grew up in a traditional fundamental Baptist church, you know, the, the full nine yards, or you can use your imaginations, what it was like. And hearing all this stuff, man, and so when I, as I think someone who rightly understands the gospel and that Christ makes us right before the Father because of his work, and when people add to that, man, it makes me angry, and then it makes me sad because... It's just people are walking around, believers are walking around so defeated um, because they can never measure up to this moral standard that they've created for themselves, which is a death trap, right? So, yeah, it's both. I get sad and, like, I want to, like, love these people, but then I, I get mad at the people who, <laughs> like, I get really mad at the people who teach these crazy things. So, 
No, I, I publicly repent if that's wrong. But no, I, no uh, I think we are called to, in our anger, do not sin. And if we don't have righteous anger for anything that adds to yeah, and the I didn't glory punch, of God. I didn't punch any of these people. I more had about them. Like I wanted to do some of that stuff. I, praise the Lord. Jesus in me uh, said, no. So you remember that little eyebrow raising that I said that? That's why I love him to death. But uh, uh, so... To, uh, to add to a little of things I heard from it because I think it's really good. When Paul says to imitate him because he imitates Christ. And then you just read us Romans 9. And what Paul is saying, he goes, I would go, I would be condemned to hell if all, if all my kinmen of Israel would love Jesus. Is that the heart I have for a lost world? Because that's what he's saying. He said, I will become an anathema. And in Paul's word, anathema, accursed, means to be condemned because of sinfulness. So Paul, in his heart for the lost, his kinsmen, would say, I'll go to hell, God, if you save all of Israel. Wow. That's why he can cry over the elders of of Ephesus, right? And again, I, I love when, when the Holy Spirit works through studying this, and it, it, it goes back to the only way we learn this is Scripture alone, and then sitting here is brothers and sisters in Christ sharpening each other, right? Yeah. Amen. Excellent. Um, go back to my questions. No more curveball, guys. And man, you knocked him out of the ballpark, so I knew you could do it. Let's go to verse uh, 20 through 4 1. Uh, Matt and I talked a little bit about this at lunch yesterday, and I really loved uh, where it was at. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Get that. There's a huge transforming there, right? By the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. Not a few things, all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Tell me, tell me what the Holy Spirit says to you in that verse, Matt. Yeah, the, the whole like citizenship in heaven thing is monumental, right? The, the, the fact of the matter that Jesus' death, burial, his death, burial, and resurrection has actual effects on humanity, right? That it wasn't just a random a concept or an idea, but that when you accept Christ by faith, the death, burial, and resurrection does something to you, right? According to Romans, uh, Romans 5, I think it says even when, something along the lines of even when we are enemies of God, that's that type of language, right? So having the citizenship in heaven before Christ, you're, right, you're a citizen of hell. You're an enemy of God. But that when you cry out in faith to Jesus to save me or to save you from your sin, that, dude, it, he doesn't, like, make you a little bit better, right? We're not as, we're, you're not as, I'm not as bad as I could be, right? He substantially changes you from a dead person to a live person and then puts you 
with this eternal citizenship in heaven, right? Ephesians chapter 2 says that, um, uh, I'm just going to read it because I'm good. Yeah, right? <laughs> Ephesians 2, come uh, on, baby, where you at? Right? Uh, well, I'll go through four, two, uh, four through six. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, right? Even, even when we were dead, made us alive together with Christ, right? We're alive with Christ. We're united with him and raised us with him. And the, the killer part, well, it's all good, is in that he seated us with Christ in the heavens. Man, right? If that doesn't make you freak out, I don't know what will. And that, so the citizenship in heaven thing, right, we were, I'll just say what I jotted down, right, we were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and placed in the kingdom of light, uh, right, faith in Jesus, we're seated with, we're seated with God, we're seated with Christ, and yeah, right, that citizenship is gained, given to us because God in Romans says that Jesus was our, the propitiation for our sins, meaning that, right, God punched Jesus, right, he bore our wrath instead of punching us, and then gives us citizenship to eternity, like, we should all be freaking out, screaming out loud, hallelujah, praise the Lord, right? Amen. Yeah, totally, so. Christopher. Yeah. Oh, man, it's, I love that this world is not our home, and, because it's easy to get bogged down, the garbage, man, the political disputes, the, the suffering that you see, it's just like, man, what, it's got to be something better than this. And I think people are reaching for it, but they don't know what they're reaching for. Um, but as believers, we know what we're reaching for. We know what we got. That's citizenship in heaven. We're aliens here. <laughs> like, and I just love the idea, like, when your mindset is on eternity and your place and being seated with Christ, like Matt was saying, your whole outlook changes. The way you live, the way you, the joy that you have, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your kids, the way you treat one another, that all changes because you love people and you know that this world kind of stinks. Yeah. So you have a better outlook. And it's not just, yeah, I can do, be a better person. It, it literally does change the gospel changes you. So when you're thinking about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, being united with Christ, it's not Chris anymore, it's Jesus inside of me. And that's going to be an eternity for that. So why wait to die, experience that? Think on it now. So, In, the, uh, in Jesus' prayer to his Father in the garden, he said, don't take them out of the world. They have to be in the world for the gospel. Don't, don't make them of the world. And I've always, I love the gospel, John. Uh, uh, the best example I can give what you guys said on, on this, the best analogy, because we are citizenships of someplace else like that, we should feel foreign here. It should be tough here. Uh, our only refuge should be our eyes focused on, on heaven, and, and, and that's our citizenship. When, when you're not where you're a citizen, of you should feel strange and the best example i give to that my bride of 43 years i've traveled the world uh, 27 28 countries spent two months in far east russia uh continuous two months in far east russia one time my wife built a beautiful refuge when i came home no matter where i was 
no matter, even if it was a great trip, it wasn't as good as walking in that front door of the refuge that my wife built in our home. And that is a, Kathy's listening. I love you, dear. <laughs> as beautiful as that was, it's a glimpse. It's a picture, a snapshot of what heaven will be. And it wasn't perfect. It was better than anything that went on during the week. And I longed for it. The minute I pulled in that parking lot, it was... <sighs> we were talking about today. God is 100% for us because of that finished work of Jesus taking that punch, right? Uh, and his promise, one of the promises we need to hold on to is this was never my home. Mine is in heaven, right? And it's going to be tougher. It simply is for a believer. That's why we have brothers and sisters, right? That's why you have community, and that's why you have gatherings. And that's why love covers a multitude of sins. You guys loving me covers a multitude of my sins, right? And that's what, that's what Christ died for. That's that 100% of God being for us. Any f closing comments? Yeah, I just want to go to 1 John 3 because I, I think it's applicable. Um, and I preached on this a couple of years ago, and it, when I was studying for it, it's just like, whoa, the power in this. It says... He's talking about one day when we die, we're going to be like Christ. Mm -hmm. We're going to be glorified. We're going to be, um, we're going to look like Jesus completely. Like um, It says now, right here in uh, 1 John 3, we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. The hope, the hope fixed on eternity with Christ. Not just selfishly, a little bit selfishly. It's going to be great. But we're going to be worshiping Jesus for eternity, and it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be better than this place. So, Amen. Matt. No, just the only thing that, that I bank my life on, the Word of God and the Scriptures. And as citizens in heaven, don't forget, right, Romans 8, 1. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Amen. Whether you're a moron this afternoon, you're not condemned, you're not hated, God doesn't turn his back on you, you're not condemned, and we still obtain that citizenship in heaven because of 100% for Christ. Yeah, man, amen. you, yes, amen. Matt, close us in prayer. Our God in heaven, uh, we're, we're grateful that we can talk about the Bible. We can talk about your character and your beauty. Jesus, we, we can see you uh, just through, in the scriptures. We see your life laid out even with brothers and sisters, we're thankful that we do have a citizenship that's in heaven that's, you're the one that granted the citizenship and you don't take it back. So we're super pumped about that. We're living our lives for you. God, I pray that you would supernaturally empower us through the Holy Spirit to fight against the attacks of the devil who's gonna try and shoot us full of holes and tell us that we're chopped liver and that there's no way we can be a citizen of the king, which those are lies, and we 
we pray that you would empower us by faith to hear the words that you've bestowed on us, that we're beloved, that we're your children, that we're your sons and daughters, that we're your friend. And God, our spirit, we just cry out to you, Abba, Abba, Father, Daddy, we love you. And uh, man, do a mighty, mighty work in, our, in this congregation and each, in each of us to never forget what the gospel is and to, and to say it and remind each other of the gospel. Thank you for your grace, your loving kindness, and we pray these things through Christ our Lord who makes it all possible. Amen. Amen. Thank you.